the At Smart Basketball Podcast featuring Bob Wothy, Ed Ronsman, and Zach Trexler. Kentucky Derby Edition. All right. This is your host, Ed, for the special horse racing podcast. Are we putting this on the basketball feed? I believe so. I uh, that, That's the last I heard. It will be a At Smart Basketball podcast. All right. So we've got the Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend. It's on May 4th, Star Wars Day. Do we have any horses named after Star Wars characters that you, that you would know, Bob? Like uh, I, I don't expect you to have like a vast knowledge of Star feel, Wars characters. I feel like a horse could be named after like Darth Vader's brother and i wouldn't know about it so sure okay um darth vader didn't have a brother by the way um (laughs) so so we're gonna do i'm I'm gonna lob up some grapefruits for you this podcast bob really like my purpose of this podcast was to get more information from you in a general conversation because i haven't been paying enough attention to this horse racing season um We have our fantasy horse racing league, and I almost feel like a little guilty about it because I do really enjoy getting into it and talking to you. Because um, as your eight thousand combined words show on your blog, <laughs> that you you obviously know what's going on and you put a lot of thought into it. Um, but I'm gonna blame it on you for tweaking the horse racing contest that we have. <laughs> what's the blame? Where, where's the blame? So the horse racing contest for our listeners, there might be like five that listen to this unique to the podcast. Um, you did it so that we could all bid. You you set the prices for the horses, right? And there was no auction and bidding up and we had a, a budget. And That's so right. the more people that took a horse within their budget, the more you'd be splitting any winnings if the horse won. And we have winnings based upon Derby being the most. And then I think Preakness and Belmont are equal, right? That is correct, yes. So you know, the horse is in your stable. The problem is is that I really liked having my horse that nobody else had. <laughs> and and it started with American Pharaoh when I had him. Right. Um, and I believe you had some choice expletives after the season <laughs> saying, the first goddamn time that we run a triple crown pool, Ed has the horse that wins the triple crown. <laughs> that is that is uh, exactly what I said, I believe, exact quote, yes. So I I kind of miss like having my horse because now I've got horses and you and I, and I, I don't remember what my stable is, but I think you and I are the two that are on game winner, we right? Both own, I think, we, me and you, buddy, we own the derby favorite, man. That's a good we got feeling. The derby, we got the Derby favorite. I think we were all probably in Omaha Beach, right? Like, I think everybody was on him before he scratched. I think uh, six of the eight people did have Omaha Beach. So, so I mean, I guess in, for us, it's probably a good scratch, Ed. So, I agree. So, I'm I'm hoping that what I get out of this pod is for you to basically give me a horse to latch onto that I feel like is kind of my own. Because okay. I need that, like, identity. Okay. Um, it's fair. So, so tell us like a little bit about what happened with Omaha Beach because I wasn't aware of what that affliction was that caused the the connections to scratch them. Yeah, so I mean it's it's a pretty common thing. Um, it's a it's an entrapped epiglottis, 
And uh, like I said, it's it's fairly common. It, it ultimately means that the horse can't breathe quite as well as he would normally. And um, they, I guess they're, and I'm not a vet, obviously, but I guess there's a couple techniques that they can try to try to get it unentrapped uh, via, but ultimately they had to do surgery here, and so can't run on Saturday. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it happens to a fair amount of horses. Um, and I mean, I, to be honest, I don't know exactly what happens, but it, it gets stuck somehow where it's not supposed to. Um, and so. And they were hoping it would like fix itself and it didn't happen or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Is there so. any intrigue involved because it was done after the post draw? Did Omaha beach get a good post draw? Yeah, he was in, in a good. Derby? I think he was in a good spot. I mean, uh, he should have been okay. able to work out a nice trip from where he was at. So, so now I mean, it, uh, and he was working great. So it seems like a very unfortunate, but legitimate excuse for the connections. So you had mentioned in your preview, um, which I believe is no need to call it dot weebly dot com. That's right, because I was too cheap to pay for a domain name. Correct. <laughs> Okay. Um, I think, I think you mentioned, um, I have been trying to keep up. I am up to date on your previews. The fourth one just dropped, I think 20 minutes ago. That's right. Um, that this has happened to the morning line favorite twice now, two other times aside from this one in the last decade. Yes. I believe it was, I want revenge in 2009 and then uncle Mo in 2011, I believe. May have been 12 on Uncle Mo, but I think it was 11. Uncle Mo's familiar probably because he's had some good horses the last couple of years, right? Like um, that he sired? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, he's had some very nice horses. I think his stud fee's up to like 150 grand now. Um, uh... So, yeah, he's, he's, he's been doing well. So, I Want Revenge is kind of a great name for a horse that had to scratch the week of the derby. Yeah, unfortunately. Like did, <laughs> did he come back and run like the Preakness or anything? No, I don't. I, I don't believe so. I think he was he was out for a while. I don't even know if he actually came back and ran at all. I do know that uh, I want revenge. Passed away last fall, which was unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about that, even though he didn't pass away, we, let's shout out to our favorite horse, Limousine Liberal, mm. that unfortunately had a career-ending injury. I didn't see what type of injury it was. You said it was on a gallop out. Is that right? Or what happened? Yeah, he was working. Um, and uh, basically, I mean, in, in human terms, he broke his ankle, more or less. Um, so, yeah, as, as far as I know, uh, his racing career is probably done at this point. But uh, he, was a, he was a good racehorse for a long time. It's unfortunate. <laughs> um, you have referred to me as a liber- limousine liberal I have. many times. Happily. And I, I was don't know always, if I ever made money off the horse. I was always delighted when he was running, just so I could tell you that he was running and, and call <laughs> yeah. you that. But no, I don't. I uh, he won. He's won definitely uh, last year at the uh, in the Churchill Down Sprint, which is what he was going to run in this weekend. Uh, I made some money on him then, so he's been all right to me. Um, some there's a lot of great horse racing names. Um, limousine liberal sticks out. I gave the example a couple weeks ago to remind you that I remember it, which was ice cream truck. Ice cream truck. Yes. I like that. 
I want to see, you know, there's a lots of, there's lots of fun horse racing names, right? But I'd like to see some more like, uh, horses named Harry or just like, Don, <laughs> like Don, you know what I mean? Like, so... or, like I want to get a first and a last name, like, <laughs> like, like Steven Wisniewski or something like that. Todd Johnson. I like really, right. really, just, just really plain, boring names. Um, so I, I had a couple questions that I wanted to ask you. So do you want to go into what you think is going to happen in the Derby? Do we want to talk about that? I I think I, we've got yes. your, your rankings. So please tell me what's going to happen now that Omaha Beach is out. What's going to happen? Boy, um... I mean, there's a lot of ways to attack this. Ed. How, do you want me to, to to talk through the whole race, or why, so for? why why don't you talk about? I think what you mentioned um, from what I read was you're taking away some pace by Omaha Beach scratching, right? Um, that maybe he would kind of keep. Uh, I can't remember now which one was maximum you security. My, yeah, yeah. So so I I thought um, you know I think there's there's a few pace players in the race. Uh, maximum security is probably your early leader at this point. Um, and the thing with Omaha beach is that he would have been right there to push him along. So I I felt like, uh, with Omaha beach scratching the real benefactor could be maximum security. And he's the horse that won the very slow paced Florida Derby. Um, so he could move up a little bit. However, uh, War of Will drew the one hole, and they insist that they are sending him to the lead. So, um, okay, whether that happens or not, we'll see. But um, I, I don't see a lot of pace early on. The other benefactor is probably Vacoma potentially, but there's a lot of horses that want to run near the lead, but not necessarily on the lead. It appears. So I want to talk a little bit about pace because I feel like. Now that you've got me into horse racing and I've been paying attention for the last, I would say, five or six years, I would it's think a, that we've been right. yeah, consistently right. looking yeah. at it is I get the sense that you really hate it when a horse goes out and can take a comfortable pace and go wire to wire. I think you prefer like a blistering speed horse at the beginning that that goes out on a what's a fast fraction for the derby in the first half something like 46 or 45 or faster yeah i mean 46 is probably about as fast as you're going to see these days but yeah yeah you i think you your ideal race would be a 46 a, a bunch of fast horses and then you get then the real race begins coming on the final turn going into the straightaway uh, where they pass all these uh, front running horses and you see who actually can pull it off yeah, I mean, I, I I hate it when I see a a good race go in slow fractions because half the field basically doesn't have a chance then. Like I want to see, like for the Derby, for instance, I want to see the pace between between forty six and forty eight. Like if it's below forty six, that's ridiculously fast. If it's yeah. above forty eight, it's like I mean, it's not ridiculously slow, but it's pretty slow. Um, and so it's, it's just not, I mean, they say they being me say it's not a fairly run race then. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so I just want a fairly run race. You know, I want a decent, I want, I want every horse to have a chance if they are good enough. Okay. I think your exception to that was when we attended the Belmont stakes together and American Pharaoh was the benefactor. I think of a gutting out to the lead and running his race at a slower pace. Right, I mean, it didn't go out very fast in the Belmont, but I think we were all 
especially you were okay with it maybe to what your norms were because we were about to see a triple crown winner oh yeah i think i, t- I think uh, i told you that if he, yes if he gets away with 113 he's gonna win and uh sure enough it was like 113 and two or something like that so i don't good. remember i rem- i i'm sitting here thinking of that race and i was standing of course next to you i think it was me you and peter there right zach wasn't there for that one that's right and I, I remember standing next to you and looking at the times and then remembering that you said that. And I was like shaking you by the shoulders and you were like <laughs> nodding your head that he was on the fractions. And I don't remember much after getting through the, you know, the three fourths of a mile mark. I just remember looking at it and um, I think he got a little bit of a challenge. What was it Moob Tahij, I think? Was that Mo- right? Who- Moob Tahij moved up on the turn and looked threatening and then Frosted came to his uh, flank. At the top of the stretch, but then he, American Pharaoh just drew off and it was over. Frosted was all spent. Yeah, he was. He was all in. In the great words of uh, Larry Colmus, I think his first year calling it right after uh, our our friend of the pod, um, Tom, Tom Durkin, Durkin, retired. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. Which is, I mean, unfortunate for Tom. Good old Tom. But have you met Tom? I forget. Are you? Are you just? I feel like you. <laughs> Should have. He's a he's an alumnus. Uh, yeah. of we've gone to the same college, and then <laughs> I knew uh, I, I knew another Tom Durkin, but I guess they're they maybe they were distantly related. But he was uh, in high school in your grade in high school who played quarterback for Notre Dame Academy. Really? Yeah. Huh. He not... went on to play football at uh, Air Force. Wow. He's a good, a really good option quarterback. I wish Zach was here because he would be so unimpressed with that. That well, I, it is a little bit of a tidbit, right? That I know two Tom Durkins, or I know of two Tom Durkins. One I knew more through my cousin Chris, and yet they weren't related, but they were both from the Green Bay area. That is that is kind of bizarre. So, so going back to the race, you you yeah. broke down that you don't think it's going to be a crazy pace. That maybe with Omaha Beach in there, it was going to keep some of the front runners honest and maybe keep them up going a little bit faster, and you might see the pace scenario play out a little bit more. So, who who stands to yeah? I think it's going to be. I honestly think it's going to be a pretty fairly run race at this point. Um, if mm-hmm. War of Will goes, I think Maximum Security will be right there. Um, Tax is breaking from the two hole. He'll probably tuck in behind War of Will if he gets away okay. Um, Vicoma will probably be up there. I'm interested to see um, what Roadster does in this race. Um, he's you know obviously one of the favorites here for Bob Baffert. And Roadster won the Santa Anita Derby by kind of uncharacteristically falling to the back of the pack and then coming on strong in the stretch. I don't know. I don't really foresee that being his derby strategy. Um, So I'm not sure if we're going to see him, how much pressure he's going to put on. Yeah. That could be really interesting. So... I shared an article earlier this week before we heard about Omaha scratching, and I don't mean to have this pod be so much about him, but I think it's interesting from a, a jockey standpoint that Mike Smith decided to take Omaha Beach, and Mike Smith is one of the greatest jockeys of all time. I don't know where right. he ranks in your personal record book. Um, Top five, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right? Um, so now he doesn't have a mount, right? I mean, he's not in the derby? He's mountless. Yep. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, I think I saw Bob Baffert saying, I'm good with flow, or I'm going with flow, which is Florent Giroux, if that's right. Florent Giroux, yes. Florent. Where does he rank on your, jo- on your jockey rankings, by the way? Flow? 
Yeah. Um, he ranks higher on turf for sure, as you might okay. have guessed. He's French. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's all right. He's solid. He's not he's not super special, but he's okay. He's right. Who's the one? Who's the one in England that you hate? Ryan Ryan Moore. Oh, Ryan Moore. Ryan, <laughs> I can't I can't say what I usually call Ryan Moore on this podcast. <laughs> Okay, um, <laughs> but you did say in your preview that your favorite is uh, Javier Castellano, which I believe you have an expression or a name for him. Javi? For Javi. <laughs> the Bank of Javi, isn't it the Bank it's of Javi? The Bank of Javier, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know what, I think he's he's maybe not quite what he was at one time. He's not quite at, at the top of his game yet, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to ride with him for sure. So I've got I've got some notes here that I want to talk to you about. Um, I have a couple things from reading your preview that I have questions for you. That's, that's okay, good. so you said that Churchill runs more like a, a track for turf horses, like even on the dirt that the that the turf horses I think is what I gathered seem to like it. Why is that? Um, in terms of why, I don't know if I have a great answer for you on that one. I mean, obviously every track is has a little bit different composition of dirt and sand and whatever else is mixed in there. Um, but historically, like Animal Kingdom, you think of him um, in 2011, I believe, 2011, he won the Derby, um, and he was, you know, he went on to be a top-level turf horse moving on forward. I mean, he was good on any surface, but historically you see turf horses run quite well in the Churchill Dirt. So uh, I have like a series of related questions when you talk about turf horse pedigree and you talk about mud pedigree, and right. I think it's I think it's a little bit of bullshit to be honest with you. Um, I think you All said. Right. Here. Um, well, and, and I did notice that you and I both have game winner in our our contest, and now he's the favorite at what five to one. That's probably right. going to change a yeah. little bit. That he loves right. the mud. But That's right. like honestly, how much does that translate from your sire and your damn sire that they like to run in the mud? Like I could see, I could clearly see the distance being a factor, right? Like you, like you put in the pod, like you say, you you would think that Usain Bolt's children are going to be better sprinters than they are, maybe more for marathon runners, sure. right? Versus right. the marathon runners' kids are going to be more apt for marathons, and there's some whatever genetic makeup there or body types and that kind of thing. But how right. the hell can you tell that a horse? likes a certain type of surface over one over the other, whether it's turf or whether it's mud? Um, so, I mean, I don't even think this is that particularly um, debatable, Ed, for one thing. Um, so I, I guess what I'll say is that if you look at, like, the winning percentages for um, certain sires' offsprings, I mean, certain sires have offspring that win a lot more on mud than others. Um, it's just not really, it's not all that disputable. Not to say that a, a horse with a low, uh, offspring win percentage can't be good on mud, but it's just more likely. And I think the reason why in terms of turf versus mud versus whatever else is, well, in, in the terms of turf, turf versus dirt, it's a lot to do with the hoof and the stride. Okay. See, that's um, what I'm looking for. Yeah, so, you know, it's you, you'll hear people say that horse has a turf hoof. Um, or if you look at, at how they stride out as well, um, I always think of a turf horse as having somewhat more of a, it's more of a choppy 
type stride, whereas a dirt horse is really like. like uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm it, thinking. It, I'm, I'm thinking secretary, and I'm thinking of American Pharaoh with that extremely impressive elongated stride. Would yeah, that be more if, of a dirt horse? If people could see me, I'm reaching my arms out really far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not exact science for sure. But I mean, there's something to it. Obviously, there's you know, there's a reason why Galileo, for instance, is a dominant turf horse. Uh, or turf sire, excuse me. So, so I could see that. So it's if you have a shorter, a little bit maybe choppier stride, it's easier to push through, and you get more pushing through on the uh, mud, for example, versus a, a horse that likes a little bit cleaner surface. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um. So with that, with that said, you you just send a message and talked about the the weather that it was going to be in central Kentucky. Yeah. It, it looks like it's for both tomorrow and for Saturday, right? Yes, def- it looks like tomorrow is like 110% and Saturday might be like 95%. So it's going to be it's going to be almost for sure sloppy. So, and I need this as a refresher too. Remind me the difference between like a wet track versus uh, like a muddy track versus a wet track, right? Is a muddy track it seems to me like that it's had time to soak up during the day versus i can't remember which one was the preakness within the last couple years where it rained like right before which doesn't get it necessarily muddy and that affected i don't know if it affected the track a little bit i'm trying to remember what the difference is of a sustained rain versus a quick rain beforehand i mean sloppy is kind of like it's like a water and mud soup okay it's just it's just like a, a sloppy mess mud typically is like thicker um, you'd think sloppy, a lot of times sloppy race times can be pretty fast because there's not as much, I guess, uh, friction for the horses to run through. Whereas okay. mud is a, a generally considered a thicker, slower type of surface. Um, can you, can you but, give some notable example of races within the last couple of years of, of different surface types like that? Oh man. Um, not, I mean, you mentioned the Preakness from. That was the American Pharaoh Preakness, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. that I think that was four years ago. Now, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was that was. Uh, I'm almost certain that was sloppy. Um, the the Derby last year, I believe, was kind of a kind of. I actually, I think they called it fast, but it was like a drying out, muddy track. Right. That that um that we see kind of a lot on, on Derby day, it seems like. So Mm -hmm. I I mean, yeah. So to how much does that rain forecast change or does it even reinforce more your number one pick on your preview? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, so game winners never, uh, run on an off track. So there's, it's a little bit up in the air, but I mean, his pedigree is mud central. Like he should be, if you look at the winning percentages on mud, for Candy Ride, his sire, and then AP Indy, which is his damn sire, uh, the towers above the field. So, I mean, it, it should only reinforce. You know, the other the other horse that has a really good mud pedigree at a glance is um, Vicoma, who um, also has Candy Ride, but then Spitestown on, on the damn sire side. So, I think I've... 
basically, as you can see, this pod has basically been a replacement for me bugging you with questions now that I'm paying attention more to the races this weekend. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. I like it. So tell me, okay, so I started off the pod by saying that I need I need like a horse that I can kind of latch onto, and I know a lot of people loved, was it last year? Was last year the year of Patch, or was it the year before? <laughs> I think that was the year before. Yeah, yeah last and year, people love Patch. Yeah. Last year was when my boy Jack got bet down to like five to one for absolutely no reason. Okay. I yeah. don't know that there's a horse like that this year, right, that people are going to go crazy about just from a quirky standpoint or from a name or anything. I don't think so. No, it's, um, no, in a word, no. Um, it doesn't seem like, and I was thinking about this too, and Zach is really going to love this when he listens to it, that I was trying to think of like each year's Derby and the storylines that go into it. And I try to compare it to like the NFL draft and that sometimes the draft is boring, but sometimes you have like a fun player, like, you have like a can't miss prospect, right? Like when Andrew Luck came out, that was just like a no brainer. No question that that was the number one pick. I'm trying to think there's probably a couple more like Jadavian Clowney was another one. Sure. And then when, and then when Johnny Menzel came out, that was interesting. Then you get a lot of boring drafts when you have like the quarterbacks from last year and all that kind of crap. Right. So is this an interesting derby to you or is it kind of more of a less memorable one in maybe other years? I think it's, to me, it's less memorable. Um, I think that I, I think I kind of mentioned it at some point in my preview that there's been so many horses, so many different horses have won the prep races this year that it kind of seems like maybe nobody's right. actually that good. Um, and there's no, you know, like I, like you said before, there's no patch, there's no kind of like quirky, weird type of fun story for people to latch onto. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, it seems more boring at this point. So, but maybe does that give you a little bit better value on some of the probably good horses that just like I'm thinking game winner, I'm thinking maybe a couple other the horses that if if he would have won one of his starts this year, for example, right? Would he be coming in at a little bit, you know, worse odds that you don't really want to put too much money on him? Yeah, I mean, I, so I think two things. Number one, with with like Patch and my boy Jack, there was so much money coming in on those horses that like I think I said at some point last year, like half the field is value right now because of the ridiculous odds on this horse. Um, but like I mean, yeah, in the case of a game winner, um, he was a nose and half a length away from being undefeated this year, and if so, he'd be he might be even money for for all I know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's value in this race for sure. But it, it's it's not going to be helped by some quirky, weird, derby-only betting name game. Unless people unless people latch on to Plouquet Parfait. So I think just to just to finish out then. So you haven't posted your picks yet in terms of you'd like to post you know, who the winner is going to be. You've already got game winner as your number one horse. Yep. But give me, give me a taste. Give me a sneak preview for those of us that listen to it tomorrow before you post of maybe if you're going to bet against game winner and make a win bet, and then give me a horse that you're are definitely going to make sure you have in your exotic place. Okay. Um, so win bet. um, At this point, I think I'm going to make four win bets, most likely. Um, 
and they're going to be on Game Winner, uh, in Vicoma, Country House, and Spin Off. Now there's 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 two like super long shots there in Country House and Spin Off. Vicoma's kind of a pretty long shot, and then there's a the favorite Game Winner. And I'm not okay. sure yet, to be honest, if I'm going to play Game Winner to to make money or if it's kind of going to be a defensive play so that it covers my losing bets if uh, if I don't get lucky on a long shot. But Right. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe have a decent enough win bet on them to cover your losing bets so maybe you come out even more or less and then include yeah. them in some of your exotics. Exactly, right. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Now, you said that um, if improbable wins that you're probably going to lose all your money. Do you still feel that way? Like, are you going to throw improbable in on anything now that Omaha Beach is out? Yeah, man, that's that's a big, that's what, that's what kind of threw a wrench in my whole plans because I thought that there's no way improbable is going to get a nice trip or or get away with anything uh, with Omaha Beach around. Improbable and maximum security both definitely move up with Omaha Beach out. Um, I'm still going to bet, I mean, I'm going to stick to my guns on those two, that Improbable doesn't want the distance, and that Maximum Security is not going to get away with ridiculously flo- ridiculously slow fractions again. Um, mm-hmm. But, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'll lose money if they if they run well, basically, and that's just how it's going to be. Sometimes you got to take a little bit of a stand, Ed. So... And what we can always expect is that you're going to claim that you knew whoever the winner is going to be. That's that's the whole premise of my preview. You know, it's that's like a, that's a, it's a Bob <laughs> staple. I was reading it and I got confused because you threw in uh, who's uh, Bodemeister, the Bodemeister Colt that's uh, running. Bode Bo- yeah. Ex- Express, yeah. And I guess I always just assumed that those horses would be in the Baffert uh, stable since he named Bodemeister after his son. Yeah, I mean that that should be a rule, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> yes. I'm gonna save this for another pod, but I'd like to go in and just have a 30-minute deep dive into the um, etiquette and history of how you name horses. We're gonna have to do some research on that one. But yeah, I do get. I'm just just real quick. I do get confused as like when do you combine them from like the dam and the sire and make it like a play on those versus just making something completely new. I mean, it's whenever you want, really. It's you, you, If you own the horse, you can name it whatever you want. So there's no no real rules about it. Can't wait for the horse named Wothism to run five <laughs> years from now in the Kentucky Derby. We can only hope. We can, we only, can hope. only hope. All right, last thing is, um, do you have any good picks? And this is really for my own purposes because I'll probably be placing bets at some point tomorrow on my phone. Um, give me some Oaks picks. If, do you have any horses that stand out? Have you capped it for tomorrow? Oaks picks. You're catching me on on the front side of my handicapping for that. However, um, I can tell you that I had a future wager for the Oaks on chasing yesterday, and she is not running, so that's uh, some money down the drain right away. Wah, um, wah, wah. I think... Uh, Without, you know, again, I haven't handicapped it yet, but the horse that has impressed me probably the most um, from the Phillies is um, actually, the I believe, the outside horse, uh, Restless Rider, breaking from post-14. Um, she's been no worse than second in seven starts. She's 6-1 to one 
on the morning line. And there's a lot of speed, a lot of speed in the Oaks. Um, and so Restless Rider has a good mud pedigree like we talked about before. Never worse than second. I think she's got a great shot. I'll be sure to include those in my wagers, uh, taking care of promotions where you get your money back if your win bet takes second or third. Yes, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Well, that's all I got for the pod tonight, Bob. I think you did a great job. Thank you, and, uh, I'm, I'm much more. I have much more information that I will use to my advantage. Now, will I be purchasing certain picks? <laughs> I haven't made that decision yet. I don't think I'm going to this year. I might just... Um, use your betting selections and then be able to ridicule them. If I lose money, <laughs> I plead with you to not purchase picks. I plead, okay. I beg you. I won't do it this year, but I really expect to get picks from you in other races like sooner than 20 seconds before post time. I'll do my best. Ed. Bonus clip. Bob here. will call the, Stretch run of the Kentucky Derby the day before it happens. And they hit the far turn in 111 flat. There's no free lunch today for maximum security. And oh, it just zooms the lead as they hit the turn. Outside second is improbable. Moving up on the outside, that spin off. And further back, here comes game winner. And down the stretch they come on my beach set sail improbable is all in not today for improbable outside spin off giving his all game winner down the center of the track with joel rosario moving with tremendous strides going right by coma game winner is assumed the lead of the 16th pole spin off runs coma just there from the back long range shot he runs on but it's all game winner bob baffert wins another Kentucky Derby! Spin off a second. Tacoma. Tell for third. Long range Dottie fourth. And one final bonus for your horse listening pleasure. Bob will do a solo version of the Kentucky Derby preview. As always, it's ad free. So welcome to the first, first ever uh, solo, no need to call it, Kentucky Derby podcast. My name is Bob Wolthy, and uh, I hope you've been reading the previews at no need to call it.weebly.com uh, over the course of this week. But if you haven't, uh, I'm here to hopefully sum it up in a much, uh, much tidier package than uh, the, I think we actually checked in at about 19 pages of uh of content this year for the preview um so i wanted to sum it up in audio form uh for those people who don't have the uh time or interest or attention span to get through all of that so um first up i wanted to talk a little bit about the scratch of the derby favorite omaha beach uh omaha beach likely would have been my top spot uh not necessarily top selection but um the way that he was looking training, the way that he ran um, throughout this prep season, he had it all, so to speak. I mean, he was not a 
a clear-cut favorite, certainly game winner, uh, was right up there with him in my eyes, but um, it's just, it's super unfortunate for Richard Mandela um, and the connections there that he's going to have to miss this Kentucky Derby because he had a huge shot. And uh, primarily his defection changes the pace complexion of the race in my mind. Um, not that Omaha Beach needed to have the lead, but I believe he would have made sure that um, no horse that I believe to be substandard, uh, which is to say maximum security or even potentially war of will, who they, who uh, Mark Cassie uh, says they are going to send from his number one post. Um, neither, neither of those horses would get loose on the lead and get away with um, kind of stealing the Kentucky Derby on the front end. Um, so, his defection also, in my mind, moves up another horse that I was against, which is Improbable. Um, I'm still against Improbable, as I just don't believe he wants the distance. Um, and, you know, uh, back to Maximum Security, I'm against him as well, just because um, the, the way he got here really was based on very slow fractions. Um, they let him run very slowly early, and it was just too hard to catch up. Um, so I'm against two of those horses right off the bat. And those are probably my strongest takes, so to speak, in this year's Derby. Um, I just believe that they're not cut out for this race. So the, the pace early, I do believe in the race, will be strong enough. I don't think it's going to be blistering. So I don't think it's going to be a meltdown of the pace where the closers have a great chance. But I think it's going to be fairly run so that if a horse that wants to come from behind is good enough, um, they'll have a shot to do it. So um, in that regard, there's a few, um, you know, there's an obvious horse like Tacitus who um, comes in pretty hot. He's 10 to 1 in the morning line. Certainly, I think he can win. Um, but things got to set up for him the right way, at least based on what we've seen so far. Um, Tacitus is a horse that has never done anything surprising. Um, I wrote about this in the preview a little bit more, but he was in a perfect spot for the way both of his prep races played out. Um, and he kind of got, he got good trips inside. He moved at the right time. It all worked out well for him. And, you know, that, that is a talent of sorts that horses have to be tactical enough to, uh, deliver when they get kind of presented with those uh, those kind of setups. So I, he's a good horse. I just don't believe that he is that much different from a number of other horses. And, and for example, I'll call out um, Win Win Win, um, Code of Honor, and Country House as three that I believe are, you know, maybe they are a cut below Tacitus, but if so, uh, I haven't necessarily seen it. Now, Win-Win-Win in particular um, ran against Tacitus, and he was too far back. And so Win-Win-Win gets a new jockey. Um, it's actually his original jockey, uh, Julian Pimentel, um, which gives me a little bit hope that he'll be more forwardly placed in the Derby. And so we'll see that you know, potentially win-win-win could get the same sort of trip that Tacitus gets. And at that point, 
who's better? We don't know, but you're going to get a better price on win, win, win. Um, Code of Honor is another horse that I just mentioned that closed extremely well uh, to win the Fountain of Youth. Did not have that same opportunity whatsoever in the Florida Derby behind the very slow fractions from maximum security. So Code of Honor, I don't know that he wants to go this far. I don't know um, that he's cut out for this level, um, but I don't know that, that Tacitus and Code of Honor are much different. Finally, uh, Country House, I mentioned him, and he's 30 to 1 on the morning line, which uh, surprised me. He's run okay um, in all of his races, um, and he kind of snuck in, frankly, on the back end of this derby field. Um, but he moves from Joel Rosario to Flavian Pratt, and his mud pedigree is solid if it does rain. Um, he should like stretching out. I don't know that he's good enough to win the race, uh, just based on his speed figures to date. But I do believe that he's a definite contender for exotics. So um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention every horse um, as I talk through things here, but I'll jump to kind of the the long shots that I like that I think have a a real chance to. You know, I hesitate to say win, but you know what? I that I'm going to bet them to win because I do believe that there's a shot, and they're going to be overlooked to some extent, whether it's based on the morning line or just the public perception at large. Um, obviously, when it comes to the parimutuel pools, so um, one of these horses is Vacoma. I was at, <laughs> I was actually shocked to see Vacoma at twenty to one. I I very much expected him to be at say 12 to 1 or 10 to 1. Um, and I don't know what he'll be at post time. But Vekoma won the Bluegrass um, in his second start of the year. Before that, he was third after being pretty close to a, a hot pace in the Fountain of Youth. To say that he deserves to be 20 to 1 in this spot is just bizarre. Other than the fact, there's, there's two things that give me pause on Vekoma. One is that his pedigree is more sprint-oriented. His damn sire is Spitestown, um, who is a noted, brilliant sprint sire. Um, so that that is concerning, although he looked okay in the bluegrass. But the bigger concern, and I wrote about this in my, in my preview, is that his action, when he runs, actually... It, 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 I have like a, a physical reaction to the way he runs and it's not a good one. He paddles in his stride so badly that I thought the horse was breaking down in the stretch of the bluegrass and somehow he, he maintained his three and a half length margin the whole length of the stretch, despite looking like I said, like he was about to break down. So um, if I said this in my preview again, but if you, looked at his race only, I would throw him out completely. I would not bet a horse that looked like that running um, because it's just, it, it, it's not, it doesn't look like an efficient stride and the less efficient you are, the harder it is to go longer. On the other hand, if you look at the way he's actually run in his races, you know, uh, aside from the pedigree, aside from the stride, this is a horse with Javier Castellano aboard that, like I said before, I mean, I, 
I don't know why he is 20 to 1 versus a, a Tacitus, for example, is 10 to 1. So we'll see what happens there, but he's definitely uh, a horse of interest for me. Um, another horse of interest is Spinoff. And Spinoff, to me, I we just don't know about Spinoff. I think that he has the style that you want in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, he's breaking from post-19, which uh, trainer Todd Pletcher said is kind of a good thing because uh, he's a lightly raced horse. He won't have to deal with kickback from out there. Um, he might be wide, but his pedigree is good enough that he should be able to uh, you know, stay on even if he does lose some, some ground. Um, and he ran a nice race uh, in the Louisiana Derby, which was his second start of the year um, after you know winning his... Uh, his first start of the year in February 22nd by 11 lengths. So um, how much he's improved in the six weeks from Louisiana Derby, I don't know. He ran a nice speed figure there, uh, a 102 Briz speed figure that puts him um, on a competitive level with this field. He's never run worse than third in four career starts. Like I said, the pedigree's good. The trainer's good. Um, I Again, this is one where you say... 30 to one is just a, it's a bit much for a horse that could be really good yet. We just don't know. This is his third start off the layoff, his fifth career start. Um, I'm happy to take that price on a horse like spinoff. Um, excuse me. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with that horse. Um, the other one that we'll get to, and I guess we'll move past the, the long shots and really on to, the horse that I think is generally uh, head and shoulders is probably the wrong term since he hasn't won a race yet this year. But uh, the horse to beat, in my mind, is game winner. Um, and, and for me, it's all about intent with game winner. So game winner is the defending two-year-old champion. Champion, excuse me. He won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last November. And then he went to the shelf and he you know, got a nice vacation. Came back for Bob Baffert on March 16th, which is a pretty late start in your three-year-old year. year. Um, March 16th ran in the Rebel Stakes, uh, was second by a nose to Omaha Beach in his first start off a you know four-plus-month layoff there. Then came back, really, you know, it's <laughs> three weeks later, came back in the Santa Anita Derby um, and lost by half a length to Roadster. Um, and, and in this race, there's a few things that I thought were factors. Number one is that game winner moved first to put pressure on Instagram, really so that Instagram couldn't steal that race. Game winner moved first. It was a pretty quick pace for the way the track was playing that day. Um, he took over and, you know, ultimately Roadster did run by him, but Roadster fell back. Kind of let game winner do the dirty work, and um, and then you know uh, blew by him in the stretch. But it was only by half a length. And once game winner saw him, he was not super keen to let him by. Um, I think that likely in that race, game winner already was in the Derby. Um, felt pretty confident that he'd be in the Derby anyway. Um, if he ran a decent race, Bob Baffert did not need to have game winner on his A game that day. Um, Roadster, on the other hand, that was also his only his second start of the year, but he needed Derby points 
certainly at least the second place finish and maybe even the first place based on how things ended up playing out. Um, he needed to run first or second for sure and likely first. So in my mind, Baffert probably had Roadster at 100% ready to fire his shot to get into the Derby. Um, and so the fact that game winner only lost by half a length, despite both of those things, um, to me, says that game winner is the better bet, better play for the Kentucky Derby. Additionally, game winner's pedigree is just super for the stretch out here, um, whereas Roadster's is a little bit more um, iffy, especially on the damn sire side. Uh, and game winner is likely going to love the mud. Now, um, just one more note on Roadster. Roadster is interesting because Baffert said uh, last year he ca he calls Roadster the TMZ horse because a cameraman from TMZ, of course, asked Bob Baffert, um, you know, do you have another Triple Crown horse for us? Uh, I don't know, remember the exact line of questioning. But uh, Baffert answered with Roadster, not Game Winner. So um, in the past, Baffert has been pretty good when he's talked about American Pharaoh and justifying their levels of talent. So for him to tout Roadster like that <clears throat> gives me just a little bit of pause. Because Bob Baffert is the type of guy who likes to be right. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there'd be... <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure he's he'll be happy with whoever wins this Kentucky Derby, of course. But I think he would take just a little bit of extra satisfaction if he called his shot of sorts. Um, <clears throat> obviously not to say he's not going to have both Colts at 100% coming in here, but um, at that time, at least, my uh, my belief is that he probably believed Roadster was the better horse. Otherwise, why would he say it? So um, we'll see. I, I'm i going with game winner of those two, um, and I'm, I'm ultimately going to play against Roadster because the other thing with Roadster is that I don't think he's going to win by falling back like he did. That was a six-horse race in the Santa Anita Derby. He'd have to deal with a lot more traffic. Um, won't have Mike Smith aboard this time. So I'm I'm not really against Roadster per se, but I'm not I'm not betting him. So put it that way. So um, ultimately, for kind of my final selections here, um, game winner is the most likely winner uh, for sure. I will bet him in some capacity, mostly to, you know, I'd like to come out a little bit ahead if he wins, um, but also to, you know, to cover my long shot bets of spinoff, Vacoma, and uh, Country House, excuse me. So um, I'm going to call it a, a podcast for the uh, No Need to Call It Kentucky Derby preview. I welcome any questions, any interaction on social media or text or, um, or give me a call, whatever works. I love to talk about this stuff and I appreciate anyone who listened.